Hey everybody, it's time Love for Mastermind Startup Fundraising Office Hours. I'm your host, Scott Fox. We're here again to talk about everybody's favorite topic, which is making money, raising money, building startups. Well, at least it's my favorite topic, so thanks for joining me. I'm here today to talk about, um, well, a lot of the benefits of my experience. I've been doing this for 20 plus years. I'm a serial internet entrepreneur, and I'm hoping to share with you some of that experience. Um, this is in addition to the monthly masterminds workshops that I run every month, uh, which you can see, sorry, over there, <laughs> uh, which are worldwide um, audience participation nights where we get entrepreneurs, uh, startup founders, investors, uh, service providers, everybody together uh, to talk about problems in a group setting. But today, this is office hours, so it's really just me here in my office turning on the camera to talk to you about questions that you've sent in. So we have several folks who've written in some interesting questions. We're going to be talking about raising money how to uh, navigate the difficulties of working with investors, uh, angel investors, venture capital investors, uh, the metrics that you need to find and build in your company so that people are interested in investing, and of course alternatives uh, and strategies to survive uh, and build a business even without raising money, because of course raising money isn't necessarily uh, the best way to build a business. There's lots of ways to build a business, and in fact venture capital is a pretty new thing, so it's not uh, quite the only option as it is presented in the media. So, um, so this is fun and interactive. We've got chat rooms going. You should be seeing this hopefully live on uh, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn Live, and um, somewhere else, Facebook, yes. <laughs> it should be out on a bunch of places. But if you have uh, questions or comments as we talk, please go ahead and type in on those respective platforms, and it should show up uh, here in our, um, in our chat room here, which will pop out once people start using it. So go ahead and say hello. Um, there we go. There's a couple coming in, so we'll get back to that in a minute. There's my friend Sandy. Hey, Sandy. Um, we also have at least three folks in the, in the waiting room, uh, Leslie, uh, Ichabod, and Darius, who have questions for you. But first, uh, let me just tell you who I am. I'm, I'm the one with the microphone today. I'm Scott Fox. I'm the founder and CEO of the Startup Council, which is an organization dedicated to helping early-stage entrepreneurs. Why? Well, um, I've spent 20-plus years uh, raising money, building companies, uh, and benefiting from the Internet revolution. And I've benefited from a lot of things in my life, including being uh, a white male with an excellent education, um, lots of advantages. And for a long time, I've thought that uh, the benefits of the Silicon Valley uh, gold rush should be shared with people all over the world and from different walks of life. And that's why, uh, for example, behind me here, over here, um, these are books I've written. Uh, that's just three books, actually, but they're in multiple languages all over the world. Um, those are specifically written for new entrepreneurs trying to help people learn how to get onto the information superhighway and make money like we do in Silicon Valley. So if that's of interest to you, of course, you can go to Amazon uh, in Turkish or Polish or Japanese or Russian or Vietnamese or, of course, English, uh, and uh, I'll be happy to help you that way. But we're here today live to talk about um, building businesses based on my 20 plus years of uh, working in New York and Silicon Valley and Los Angeles and London. And um, if you want to know more about me, it's enough about me, you can check. There's a Wikipedia page one of my readers put up. You can look up Scott Fox there and learn more about me. So the real point here is that I'm here to help entrepreneurs. This is a volunteer effort. And I uh, thanks everybody who's watching. I please, um, I do this uh, for free, trying to help. If you could do me a favor by sharing this, uh, commenting, liking, uh, inviting your friends, all that sort of stuff. Uh, that way we can get the message out and help as many people as possible because that's my theory is that entrepreneurs are the ones that drive success and progress in the world these days. Um, we, we can't leave it up to the politicians, <laughs> clearly. Uh, it's time for those of us who are ambitious, creative people to make a difference uh, in our own ways. We're not all politicians. We're not all 
anything, um, but everyone that listens to these streams and reads my books and comes to my workshops, uh, we're all ambitious, optimistic people, and we're trying to get things done. So if that sounds like you, welcome. I'm glad you're here. All right, so um, let's get on with uh, some questions. A couple quick caveats. Um, I do have a law degree and a financial background. This is not legal or financial advice. This is for entertainment only, <laughs> okay? So please verify with your own financial advisors uh, and don't uh, risk a bunch of money based on anything that you heard on the internet. Hopefully you're smart enough to know that already. Um, and we're gonna talk today about um, questions from our folks. Uh, and there's uh, Darius is with us as well. So great, um, I've got your question, Darius, no worries. Um, let me just see if I've got, uh, okay, good. So I think we're ready to go. That's all the preamble. All right. So as I said, we're going to talk about uh, uh, questions that folks like you have uh, about real businesses. This is not theory. This is not business school stuff. Um, and we're going to work together to uh, have a good time here and let's get going. So, all right. So first up, I think, let me look at the questions here. Who we've got first. Um, all right. My friend Ekabob, I think, is going to be first. Let's just say hello. Let's see who we got here. We've got, uh, there's Darius, and there's Ichabob, and there's Leslie. So hello to all you guys. Can you hear me? Everything working? Yeah? Yeah, okay, good. All right, sorry. This is These new systems, they change the interfaces all the time. I need to make sure they're working properly. So good to see each of you. And we're going to get to uh, some discussion here shortly in each case. And uh, hold on, let me just... All right, so I think we're going to start with Ichabob, like I said. So Darius, we'll be back to you, and Leslie as well. So Ichabob, my friend, why don't you um, – I'm, I'm saying my friend, I met him once or twice <laughs> in these workshops that we hold. Um, so if uh, maybe um, – yeah, I guess he had a good enough time there to come here and ask another question. So that's a good sign. So Ichabob, why don't you uh, – I've got it here, but why don't you introduce us uh, to uh, the question that you had. Yeah, thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you so much, Stella. I'm glad you got the first uh, – that was amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much for everything you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my name is Eka Paul, and uh, I'm working on a platform called Friends Tested, um, which allows users to save uh, weeks of time spent researching um, every year by allowing them to connect, create, share, and request product reviews from the people they trust the most, their friends and family. Um, and we're currently at the prototype uh, idea validation stage. And I was kind of wondering when it would be a good time to start fundraising. Uh, one of the biggest issues that my co-founder and I have is that, um, you know, we both have full-time jobs, we've got families, um, and so we can only work on this, you know, nights, weekends, and it's taking a lot, lot longer to develop than if we could dedicate ourselves full-time. Um, do angel investors even invest in startups at this stage uh, with, like, part-time founders uh, hoping to do full-time founders? Yeah. Well, okay. So that, that, that is a question on a lot of people's minds, and that's why we picked your question to start. <laughs> um, can you get money from third parties if you don't really have a business yet? And honestly, the answer these days is no. Um, the world has changed. Um, when I started doing this 20, 25 years ago, the Internet was new enough that it was just pie in the sky and so exciting. Um, and, and honestly, it was such a green field that the growth, you know, you could do something and the growth would take off so dramatically. And everybody was so new and excited that it, you know, led to huge valuations, lots of investment, and, of course, the, um, the bubble that burst back in 2001. Um, today, there's a lot more businesses. It's well accepted to build businesses, you know, that are digital. And there's lots of venture funds. Uh, it, it's all become institutionalized, basically. And what that's meant is that for early-stage entrepreneurs, uh, somewhat unfortunately, um, it means that the 
investors have gotten more choosy, right? So they can really uh, pick and choose, and I'll put myself in this category. I'm part of Tech Coast Angels, and I, I'm the chairman of the Stanford Angels and Entrepreneurs in Orange County, California, um, and I'm involved in – I'm an LP in some different venture funds. Um, and, you know, we, we just don't need to invest in ideas anymore. We can wait until there's a business. And speaking as an entrepreneur myself, it's very disappointing <laughs> because – when you know the idea stage is the excitement stage right and you can see all the potential um but investors can pick and choose right it's um like in real estate is it a buyer's market or is it a seller's market and right now it's a buyer's market um because there's just so many people with good ideas and it's not the ideas that are the hard part anymore it's the execution and the implementation so the one uh caveat i would give to that well there's there's a thousand right? i could write another book but um is that um investors is a really broad term, right? It's like saying doctor. Well, do you mean, you know, a pediatrician or do you mean a brain surgeon or do you mean, you know, a gynecologist or, you know, a podiatrist? There's all different specialties, right? So there's different specialties in investors as well. So if you're saying, you know, is Google Ventures interested? Probably not. They're, as last I heard anyway, they're doing mostly B and C stage stuff, uh, meaning larger businesses, you know, the demonstrated revenue stuff, um, just as, um, it might be hard to get a loan for an early stage business because you don't have revenue to demonstrate a credit history and repayment capability. But there's other investors, right? Early stage angel investors may be interested. Again, probably not if they're pros or semi-pro angel investors, but there's also angel investors maybe in your friends or family or one or two degrees removed, especially if you look in a specific industry. So in your case, you've got a social networks or uh, recommendation engines, reviews, like maybe there are people in that space that would have some experience and see what you're doing more than a cold call to a venture firm or some angel investor you didn't know, right? So this is my recommendation to you and everybody. If you want to find early stage money, find a connection in terms of that person's demonstrated interest or expertise or a personal relationship and ideally all three, right? If you can find like a third cousin who made some money doing something in your space previously, then that's the perfect person to ask to lunch <laughs> uh, and, and build a relationship with. Is that helpful? Uh, yeah, no, uh, perfect. Thank you so much. Oh, oh. Uh, I wasn't even sure kind of where to start. But that's okay, well, that's a, that's a good place to start. And, you know, the, the, the key with all this stuff, for all of you, is doing what Ichabob's doing is, is – ask the question, right? Because there are some of us, not a lot, but some of us out here who really do want to help. And we, you know, we have other things we could be doing with our time. And um, it, we do it because we want to help and we're, and we're trying to help, right? So if, if, uh, if you don't ask the question, you're not going to know. And the easiest way to get to the right answer is to ask someone rather than reading 14 articles about it. Or, or I see people do this all the time. They want to read every book on the topic as if reading books was going to build you a company. And I write books, so I'm, I'm kicking myself here. But, you know, reading books isn't going to build anything. you got to get out there and ask the questions and do the work. Uh, and, and good job, Bob. I uh, hope to see you at the next uh, Masterminds uh, workshop. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Scott. Super. Okay, so like I said, we've got a chat room uh, going in the uh, uh, there's different uh, places that I mentioned. So if you want to join us in the chat, um, uh, Sandy and uh, Tech Barbie and Kim, and PM and uh, some other folks that's moving a little fast. I can't keep up with them all. Um, but say hello there, and it will show up here on the screen if you want to join the conversation literally physically uh, here on the screen. We are here. Um, so next up we've got Leslie. 
Leslie is also a friend from our workshops. So Leslie's coming on camera here. There's Leslie. Hey, Leslie. So you want to introduce people to your issue there, Leslie, and we'll see what we can do to help you move it forward. Oh, looks like you're muted. Let's let's try that again. Yep, muted. There we go. Okay, no, you sound fine. I don't hear anything. Okay, well, we'll see. Um, right. So, I'm Leslie Pound. I was in the artificial intelligence group at SRI. I was my first virtual assistant. I am doing something I've wanted to do for a while now, and I'm doing voice to animation, voice to motion graphics. My company is called Talk Animate. Um, and what you do is you submit and you see how to move on the screen. So, our first market is speech uh, language therapy. And I have a partner who's, I believe, somewhere here, and he's been testing out the product. He's been using it with his kids, and the response has been amazing. I'm, I'm actually, compared to other things I've done, it's like, wow. Awesome. We're trying to test every step. I know, it's really, it's really encouraging. That it seems to be interesting. <laughs> um, all the coaches are as well, and teachers are as well. So my question is, so when we look at the market, um, speech therapy is a natural one. Encouraging kids to speak by having them engage with a little picture on the screen is very compelling. Um, but it's also good, it's actually very minimal changes. It's good for elementary school teachers. Okay. It's good for English and The question is, do we start doing research into these other markets, or do we focus on one and then try to conquer that and then go to the next? Or do, or, or do we kind of try to do more than one at once? That's my question. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, new market, new product, um, or niche market, I should say, not necessarily a new market, but yeah, new-ish, right? I mean, it's a new product. Um, so are you going to tackle multiple markets at once or concentrate on one? So there's no you, – you're smart. You, you know there's no right answer here, right? That's why you're asking. So let's talk about it. Um, the My instinct would be that you need to talk to them all, but only long enough to figure out which is the easy money right, or the easy growth, um, because thinking that this is a classic entrepreneur mistake for everybody else who's listening, thinking you know what the customer wants. Now, obviously, you have to have some confidence in that, confidence in that to begin with, or you wouldn't have started, right, especially if you're from the industry, um, but especially if you have an engineering background, no offense to all my good friends who are engineers, um, you may not be tuned into things that, you know, the customer wants if they're more like in sales, right, or, or some other diverse discipline, right? And I've seen lots of engineers, uh, you know, get excited about features that, you know, the customer didn't necessarily want, or designers who are more into the design and the look of the thing than the functionality, right? We all have our blind spots is my point. So that's why um, the biggest mistake I see, honestly, um, I've been thinking about writing a blog post about this or uh, maybe even doing a whole episode on it, but the biggest mistake entrepreneurs make is not talking to the customers. You will learn more from talking to five customers or even one customer than you will from listening to me or other experts all day, right? Because they see things differently. And you may think you get it, and you probably do. But there's, you know, that even if you have like a 90% overlap, that 10% can totally change the business. So getting out and talking to the customers is, is what I would be doing. You've got multiple markets identified. It sounds like you're already like on the road here. You've made some really nice progress. Um, and you know what the markets are, but how do you discriminate? Talk to them, right? 
ask them. And then the, the rule that I run my business on personally is what can I do that will have the most impact in the shortest amount of time with the least work? Why? <laughs> I, I'm basically lazy, right? That's why everybody uses software. We're all lazy, right? Let's admit it, right? So if you can figure out where the sweet spot is, you talk to three, four, whatever it is, eight different markets, right? Somebody's going to get more excited than the others. And it may not even be, honestly, it may not even be, here's some real world, it may not even be because that market is different, but that person is personally interested for whatever reason, right? If you can just find the, a good partner, that market may suddenly be the best one because there's somebody receptive who can be a champion for you as opposed to, you know, some other market which may technically on paper look better in terms of your projections, but there's nobody that really that will actually buy into it, right? So there's that combination of, like, personalities and growth, uh, growth possibilities and then, of course, revenue. So you have to balance all that in. And to me, that's a complicated enough equation that you're trying to decide without enough data, right? So the more data you have, the better decision you can make. And the place you're going to get that data is not on Google. It's talking to people. How's that? Is that helpful? That, that, that's great. I, I like that. It resonates with me because I've made mistakes in the past. Okay. I didn't talk to enough people. Right. <laughs> so that, that's perfect. And I love um, the enthusiasm level, too. Not yeah. just judging the size of it, but the go-to-market strategy has to be, if you've got somebody who's really into it, that can be a, a, an opening point, right? Yeah. That's what you're saying. And later on, perhaps, once you're known, you can go to these other markets. But you can't substitute for enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. The, the buzzword, if this is helpful to folks, that um, people often use is land and expand. So find your beachhead, you know, like uh, uh, a battle, you know, like in Normandy. You take the, take the beach and then gradually advance your way into the countryside, right? Or um, Seth Godin, who's a brilliant marketing guy, said something, and I always mess it up, but like be king of your own island rather than just mayor of a mid-sized city, right? <laughs> like, like, something like that anyway, but like go and own it, right? And then if you have that, um, not only do you get the confidence, but honestly, speaking as an entrepreneur, you have the cash flow, right? Because yeah. if you spread yourself too thinly, you've got, no, you got no damn money left, right? So what are you going to do? How are you going to grow the business, you know, on, on potential? Potential doesn't pay the rent or, uh, or the team. So, um, yeah, having partners, uh, and this leads to a whole other discussion since today's topic is really about fundraising. If you can find – the other reason to do this is if you can find partners that are enthusiastic, they may actually help you pay your bills because they could be first customers or even investors or both, right? There's no reason that people can't support you in lots of ways. Uh, and I talk about that as being like a scholarship, right? If you can find one good customer and they start paying you um, or even investing, it's like a scholarship to build the rest of your, your product team, uh, your product and team out to grow. So, right. So a little quick follow-up. Yeah. Um, the temptation always is, is to not close any doors. But once you land, should you totally focus all your marketing material on that audience and not go like, oh, yes, we can also do this, you know, which is always the temptation. Oh. Like, oh, but, 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 but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a hard question also. No particularly right answer. But um, you're talking about feature creep and scope creep a lot, right, which is something – this is, again, I'm not picking on engineers. It's just a fact – they want to build stuff, so their answer to growth is to add more features. Where customers may be overwhelmed by more features, they just like the three you had, right? Well, <laughs> so, that marketing material, mm -hmm. specific kind of addressing oh, why you're asking it. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know yet. 
you'd have to give me more information. I don't think you do either, right? So um, I, again, but the, the short answer would be ask the customers, right? Or or even if they can't tell you, look at their reaction, right? Talk to a variety of them and test some things. You know, the beta test is one of the great gifts of the software industry is teaching all of us to test stuff. We can test stuff in small doses and see what the reaction is and adjust. And um, anybody that's not doing that is missing the opportunity. Some people still live in this 20th century mindset of like, we're going to build this amazing thing and then we're going to like, like a Hollywood movie premiere. We're going to give it to the world and everybody's going to be excited. It just doesn't work like that anymore. It's a, it's a big mistake if you do that. So the iterative process of engaging with customers along the way, uh, even for marketing materials is, is where I'd start. So. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Very All right. Nice to see you again. Hope to see you at the next workshop. All right. So that is our friend Leslie from Pasadena, California. Let's see. Let's take a minute here and look in the chat room. So, hey, if you're enjoying this, please invite your friends or click to like and subscribe and all that. Can anybody tell me actually if you're on LinkedIn? This is the first time I got the LinkedIn live going and I can't look right now. Or, or maybe just email me or tell me later. I'll get distracted. But um, this is, should be on YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook at the same time. So if any of you are on any of those platforms, I'd love to hear about it because um, I can't tell uh, as it's live. Okay, so let's see. Let me, I saw some interesting things in the chat room here. Give me a second to scroll up. And then we're going to get to uh, Darius and Emmanuel as well. Thanks, guys, for waiting. Um, Okay, let me just grab some quick ones here. So uh, in the future, uh, folks in the chat room, if you have a question you'd like to come on camera to really discuss, like I just did there with Ikebab and Leslie, please submit in advance, um, and then you will come in as a form to, to my office, and we'll you know, pick out some of the best ones for coming on camera. And if you do, then you get a free ticket to our next Masterminds workshop. So that's kind of fun. Uh, that's 10 or $20. Not, not the world, but you know, it's not a new BMW, but it's, it's better than nothing. And we'd be happy to have you at our workshops. Um, we always are looking for more people to participate who ask good questions. So you're all invited. And if you want to be sure I answer your question, uh, email it in in advance. There's an RSVP form in most of the promotions we do. Okay, but let me get back here. Um, uh, okay, so... Uh, Michael, I see your question, and you're from LinkedIn. I can see that in your excellent. So this is working. Uh, great question about cutting through the clutter. That's a long one. I, I can't do right now, um, but we can do that at the next workshop if you'd like. Um, PM says, is it safe to share your pitch deck with investors who are not willing to sign an NDA? Uh, well, okay. I was going to say absolutely. So there's two parts of this answer. One is, no professional investors ever sign NDAs, and it will be embarrassing to you to ask. Don't even ask. We don't do it. I see dozens of businesses every week, and I could see hundreds if I had the capacity, right? And if you're talking to a venture firm, they're seeing hundreds, maybe thousands. Like the danger of doing what I do is I hold myself up and I just get flooded, right? So no offense to any of you if I don't answer you. I just I can't keep up, okay? So um, we don't sign NDAs because, you know, it's we can't, right? It, this is our business. So you should not ask, except um, – if you don't know the investor and they may be shady. Let's be honest. There are people out there pretending to be legitimate investors and they're not, right? They're just like there's people pretending to be doctors and people pretending to be auto mechanics or whatever, right? So um, do your due diligence on somebody. Don't just spray and pray, right? Sending out your business plan and your wonderful ideas to everybody without checking on them, right? In fact, there's a whole uh, discussion to be had about maximizing your impact as a, a startup uh, founder by investigating and doing your appropriate due diligence on the, um, the, the firms you approach, right? 
don't just send it to everybody because every firm doesn't invest in every kind of company, right? You need to investigate what sector they invest in, what stage they invest in, what the life cycle is of their fund, meaning how much money they have left, <laughs> um, you know, who the people are in that fund. You'll get a much, much higher hit rate if you find the right woman at the right fund at the right stage in their life who has a background in your industry. Of course, that's going to work better, right? And if you can find that, that person, She's not going to sign an NDA anyway, and you're probably not going to need to ask her, right? If, you're, if your question is based on approaching people you really don't know and that you don't trust, then honestly, you're kind of doing it wrong, right? You've got to know before you send your stuff out that these people are trustworthy. Uh, and then you also won't look like a rookie uh, by asking them to sign an NDA. Okay, so there we go. I uh, hope that's helpful. To, that was PM. I think you were here last time, PM. Nice to see you, if so. Okay. What approach, Bibi Boff says, what approach when the startup has great technology but not ready for commercialization and needs a few million dollars to go to market in two years? Angels would not be enough. VCs want short return and MVP. Exactly, Bibi. You, I couldn't, I don't have an answer for that, right? Especially, um, this is especially true in hardware or physical products. You need a lot of capital to create the thing first. So, of course, nobody's going to invest because these days everybody not only wants it created, they want it brought to market and see revenues. There is not a good answer for that. Um, I'd be happy to explore that more with you, um, like as a question at one of our workshops, or I run a forum also, the Masterminds Forum at mastermindsforum.com. I should put up that, that caption. Um, if you guys want to join us in here, um, you, you'll be welcome to discuss stuff like that. But there, there's not a good answer, Bibby. Um, it's a, it's a more of a strategic discussion about like how to find the right people and so forth. I'm not trying to dissuade you. It's just it's it's hard. <laughs> so you know that we need a longer uh, strat, uh, longer discussion. Okay. Um, I saw another one that I really wanted to hit there from um, Tech Barbie. Oh, I can't see all the. It slid away. Okay. So I, that's a note to myself. Okay. The chats don't. I can't see them all. They slide off the screen. Anyway, I think Tech Barbie, you asked what to do when you don't have friends and family who have any money. And this, this is the question, right? This is why I do what I do here, because a lot of people don't have any friends and family with any money. I certainly didn't. I didn't know anybody. I mean, what are you supposed to do, right? People say, oh, well, just raise, you know, 50 grand from your friends and your family. It's like, well, you know, I'm the first one in my family that went to college, right? Or, you know, I just came to this country and, you know, I just taught myself English. I thought I was doing pretty well, right? <laughs> I mean, like, what, what are you supposed to do, right? Because a lot of VCs are, are from fairly privileged backgrounds, or at least they've been at it long enough that they forget what it's like when you don't know anybody that has money, right? So, um, honestly, that's why I wrote my books, because I got really tired of hearing that discussion um, and that that was some sort of solution. So, um, Tech Barbie and anybody else that's listening, um, we need to be more inclusive about this. There are people that legitimately don't know people who have 50 grand lying around, right? So what do you do? Well, there's not an easy answer. Um, and uh, I get excited about this issue because I think it's a real uh, flaw in our economy. Um, so I, the, the short answer is um, you've just got to gotta work, right? You've got to go out and meet people. You've got to go to events uh, virtually these days or, or on, uh, you know, face-to-face when you can. Um, it's better the more specific the events are that you can find. You know, don't just go to small business stuff. If you're a SaaS software entrepreneur in the B2B aerospace sector, right, then find those people, right? And, and you've got to niche down and find the people that might be, 
supportive of that. Or if you have another angle to play through, um, you know, your, your town, you live in Cincinnati or you live in Singapore and they have an incubator, you know, you're, then you've got the local card to play. Or you're a veteran or a female or a uh, Latino or a, whatever, a basketball player, right? So, you know, find the Alumni Association for those people and, and, and make friends. Um, there's no easy answer. Of course, great thing that's happening in this past year. There's a lot more funds dedicated to early stage entrepreneurs trying to uh, build more on-ramps and reduce barriers for, for new entrepreneurs. So you can look up, uh, look for those. Uh, and that's it, right? I mean, it's, it's not easy. So uh, I share your pain. I have been there personally. Uh, and that's why I'm here trying to help. So I hope that's helpful. And if anybody here, actually, here's a great point. If anybody in the chat room excuse me, has suggestions for Tech Barbie or for each other, um, help each other, right? That's that's part of why I do this. I'd like you all to help each other. And it looks like uh, uh, Lewis is, all right, well, you made a friend anyway. Lewis is helping her or, or him. I hope that's useful. Um, okay, let me, uh, all right, we got to get on to, uh, I'll get back to the chat room in a minute here. Let's get on to, um, let's see, let's, let's talk to who we got in. We've got uh, Darius and Emmanuel. Okay, so Darius was here. Uh, next, let's talk to, uh, okay, here comes Darius. There's Darius. Hey, Darius. Nice to meet you. Okay. Yeah, you can hear me. Excellent. Okay. Um, okay, so cool. Do you want to walk through your question or uh, I have it here? Oh, you said you forgot it, right? Okay. But it, fair enough. Um, so Darius used the form, as I encourage all of you to do. So there's an RSVP form and you can send in your questions in advance. And then, um, like I said, we can discuss it. And then uh, also you get a ticket to my next workshop, which uh, for this month, it's uh, next Wednesday, April 14th. So if you're watching April 14th at 5 o'clock Pacific, I'm in California, so I'll work on Pacific time. i would be happy to see any and all of you there. Okay, so Darius's question is about traction. Um, what factors are most important to investors? Uh, looks like, Darius, you're debating between um, a business that has a lot of potential and its uniqueness and extreme profit versus the proven traction. Is that the right yeah. idea? Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, the ideology behind the question was, do I want to, do investors want to, are they more willing to um, invest into companies that have traction, like you, what you've been saying the whole time, or mm -hmm. a company that has first-to-market potential that has no one else in the market? Right. Yeah. They can help push forward inside of that market being first. Yep. Similar to a Airbnb type company. Right. Right. But they show. Yeah. Or, and another question was, um, do investors or would that be something that I would have to find about? Yeah, I think you you've heard what I've been saying. It sounds like you're listening. To the, the answer in both yeah. cases is kind of no, <laughs> which is which sucks. Right? <laughs> it totally sucks. Um, the world has changed. Yeah. Um, inside of um, telling me to go out into the ecosystem in which my uh, company is inside of and make friends in that area to gain access to the people that will actually have the money in that area. Exactly, my friend. That's that's exactly that. that that's exactly the, yeah, that's the only answer, unfortunately. It's just not that easy. And, you know, to be honest, I was raising money during the first dot-com dot com boom. It's never that easy. You know, the, you know how the media plays up everything, right? So they love the story of everybody gets rich and it's just so easy. Don't be hard on yourself, guys. Uh, during the first dot-com boom, I was raising money and having a hell of a time of it. Almost bankrupted myself. The company failed, by the way. 
Um, so I'm not perfect by any means. Um, and all the media was full of, you know, oh, it's so easy to raise money. Everybody's getting rich. Blah, blah. And I was out there every damn day, with, you know, trying to make take meetings and meet people. And, and, and I and I didn't make it, basically. Um, that's, it's, a, it's a fiction. So don't beat yourself up that you're somehow missing the boat, you know, entirely. Of course, there's a few people, you know, there's always the exception proves the rule, right? There's a few clowns who have the right connect, the right family, the right school, the right idea at the right time, and play golf with the right dude, and suddenly they get, you know, funded, and then that ends up in the paper, and, you know, and everybody feels jealous, right? Most of us work our butts off, right? And it takes years, so don't be too hard on yourself. Um, so um, just on the specifics of your point there, Darius, the, um, the uniqueness of the business and the potential for extreme profit are absolutely important. It's not, I'm not downplaying that at all. It's just that investors are pickier these days, and if you look at it from the investor's point of view, we see lots of stuff. And if we, if there's something for ex, with extreme profit potential, that's interesting. But if it's totally unproven, there's another word for that, and that's called a lottery, right? <laughs> and I, if I want to go buy lottery tickets, I go buy lottery tickets, right? But I don't have to do that. I'll wait until you or the rest of our friends here, you know, build a business with some traction. And or I already understand the business and I can say, oh, I, I, I see what you're doing here because I'm from that industry, you know, and I get that this is really a problem that will make money. You know, you find those people and, and that's when those two lines cross of like potential plus pr proven provenness. That's not a word, but you know what I mean? Like demonstration. Um, and, and that's when people start to start nodding their heads and, and they'll ask you to lunch instead of you asking them to lunch. And then that's when the money starts. Yeah. Investors don't gamble. And they like proof. They like something proof. Nicely said. You said I, I took a hundred words to say that. <laughs> Nicely said. Um, yeah, you know that's a big thing. I was um, I was writing a, a thing, a blog post yesterday about that. And you know, there's this fiction that venture capitalists are gamblers, right? It's seen as this risky thing, and it and it is like compared. That's the problem. Like compared to the rest of the investing world, venture capital is very risky. Like if you're gonna give money to Darius, you know, or to Ekebob or Leslie, wow, that's risky compared to buying IBM stock, right? It's a big company, been around you're forever. That, you're not saying that I have to gain a million dollars. You're saying that if you show some sort of potential, anyone may be able to pick it up depending on what your background and your markets and everything else depends as you said that right place at the right time. Absolutely. You, Yes, you are. Wow. The game plan is to try to make some money. That's exactly. So that it actually has potential. Yes. Very, you're good at this. What, I have to ask, what, what is that? What, I can't read the flags on your wall behind you. Is that a school flag? Or? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, well, I'm at my friend, my uh, cousin's house. Oh. He went to a couple of colleges. Oh. He's in the Army. Oh. So we just had to hang it up. Cool. And where, where are you calling from today? Um, I'm from Atlanta. Right Atlanta. Now. Okay, cool. All right. Well, good. Well, you get this. You're, you're, you're hearing me. And, and that's exactly the right idea. Um, I would add another piece to what you're saying and for everybody else, too. The revenue, of course, is the first thing, right? The way to prove that your product has potential is that it makes money. Everybody, that's like, ta-da, right? The other thing is um, that investors like to see the growth curve, right? So if you made $100 this month and a year from now, you're still making $100 a month, not so exciting, right? You're not progressing. Yet. Right. You're not figuring it out. Exactly. So that. You could always be figuring it out. 
Yep, improving adoption. Exactly, improving adoption and excitement by the customers because that's the way to prove. We can all talk, you know, I'm a good talker, but that doesn't raise money. It's the numbers, you know, that investors are excited about. So great to meet you. I hope to see you again. We're having a, like I said, a, a email me and um, I'll try to remember, but email me if you'd like to come to our next uh, Masterminds workshop. Be happy to have you. Okay. Cool. All right, that was our friend. Uh, have a great day. You too. Thanks for being here. So that was our friend Darius. And as I said, let's see, there it is. There's the workshops. Uh, okay, so we have one more uh, question here, Emmanuel. We're going to get to Emmanuel here in a second. Let me, um, let's see, PM keeps asking uh, for my email. I don't give out my email address for obvious reasons, but you're welcome to contact me through the contact form on scottfox.com, or I am pretty easy to find. Um, I don't just share it publicly, though, because otherwise it makes my life even harder. <laughs> I get almost a 1,000 emails a day as it is, so. Okay, um, lowest risk with highest possible return, says Kim. Exactly right. Uh, Kim says she doesn't see the live on LinkedIn. Thank you for telling me there. Uh, I think there were people here earlier. If you uh, other folks do see it, I'd appreciate uh, hearing about it. Um, let's see. Stephen says, if we have a provisional patent, isn't it appropriate to get an NDA for disclosing it? Okay. Um, uh, Leslie confirms it on LinkedIn. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, Stephen, about the provisional patent. Okay, so thank you, Stephen. That is a good question. If you have something that is truly worth protecting, yes, an NDA might be appropriate. You caught me. Uh, I'm painting with a pretty broad brush. Um, I don't, I'm trying to say this concisely, you shouldn't put anything that sensitive in anything you're sharing publicly anyway. I guess is what I'm driving at, right? Um, it is quite okay. I've I've helped. I've counseled people to do this. I've seen it done, and it's legitimate to do when you are talking to investors to cut them off at a certain point, which is uh, you tell them about your business. We do this. We make money like this. We yes, it's it's this kind of thing. It's kind of thing, and then they keep asking and digging. You can say, you know what? That's our secret sauce. I'd be happy to tell you more if you're serious about investing and maybe we'll even need to sign an NDA. Um, so that is an okay thing to say. Investors should respect that, especially if you are in a field where patents are common. Um, they will understand that a patent is a thing, right? Um, and a patent that hasn't been filed yet, right? It's a pending, right? So it isn't completely publicly published and everything. At the same time, you have to remember that if you file a patent, it is going to be public, right? So it's not. Um, that's not quite the same uh, answer as a trade secret would be. Many companies keep their secret sauce as literally a secret, a trade secret, and they don't tell anybody. And then um, before revealing that to investors or even to your own employees, you make them sign a whole bunch of uh, scary legal documentation um, that keeps them from disclosing it or sharing it. And that is absolutely something you can and should do if you have something that is that is as easily understandable that it might um, escape, you know, and get copied. Uh, uh, most of this discussion uh, has been about a little earlier stage and not a technical, so your point is a good one. Okay, let's see. Uh, PM says, would you suggest any lawyers or legal help who uh, could form a LLC or a C-Corp? Uh, oh, you're in Orange County. Okay, uh, well, that's where I am. So please go to the Orange County Startup Council, ocstartupcouncil.org. Uh, PM, yeah, and we have recommendations. Uh, we have uh, our sponsors uh, are most of the uh, top startup law firms, and I can get you a good deal and all that kind of stuff because I know these people personally. So, yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, you can find that at um, ocstartupcouncil.org. 
All right, so let's get on to um, Emmanuel's been waiting patiently. And here he comes. There he is. Hey, Emmanuel. Hi, Scott. How's it going? Good. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Yeah. I just want to say uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. Not many vets actually take the time. Oh, sure. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so uh, my question was, uh, on average, how many daily active users is sufficient uh, for angels or, t or tech, or tech uh, investors to be interested in an app platform? So I think Tech Barbie just kind of posted that question to you know, in like almost the, it's almost similar to that. But uh, the question kind of has like it has two parts. So um, I'm gonna just say a little bit about myself and like what uh, my company like after is doing. Okay. So now don't make it a pitch yeah. though. Focus on the question, okay? On the question, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so like we are building like a, a social life networking app, and uh, it provides like use of uh, uh, content for use in the form of ephemeral, like brief messages, you know, so they know what's happening with like their parents and families. Okay. So uh, we are like a social media like application in the social media space. So uh, the question I had had two parts. I know uh, what investors are interested in is like revenue. You know, that's kind of like the most important thing. Yep. Uh, what you're telling me, but like on in the social media space, you know, revenue is going to come from like uh, targeted advertisement like uh, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. So uh, that's really how our revenue will be uh, coming. And uh, what's going to make us really uh, a big platform is based on the daily active users. So I wanted to know, um, so the two parts of the question is, do you know, like, what estimated number of daily active users would you think is sufficient to attract or to, like, gain attention from investors? And the second part of the question is more of like the investors to entrepreneur. So like what estimated number of daily active users would you think is sufficient where investors begin to look for the entrepreneur or start searching for the entrepreneur? Right. Right, right. Okay. So um, this is a, it's a relative, the answer is relative, right? Relative to your niche. So right. if you're targeting uh you know, women, that's more than half the planet, right? So you need a, a boatload of users to make any dent or get anybody's attention, right? If you're targeting, uh, I don't know, billionaires who are at least seven feet tall, that's probably a pretty small market, right? So if you had 50 of those, that would probably be enough because they each control a billion dollars, <laughs> right? So it's a lot about who you're targeting. So if you, it sounds like you're going reasonably broad, so you probably need a pretty big number. So what I would do is, because I, I don't know, um, but what I would do is I would look at, you know, five or six or ten apps that you think have similar demographics of yours, even if what they do isn't the same, right, but that they are hitting the same sort of market customers um, and kind of try to figure out how many they had and how they grew and what kind of funding that they might have um, needed and raised and then, of course, who they raised it from. Um, that's that's where I'd start. The the other point is um, that word grow, because a lot of what you're talking about, uh, if you want to know what interests investors, it is the total addressable market. They call that the TAM, the total addressable market. 
But then there's also the serviceable addressable market, the SAM. You could take like it's all women, but you're really talking about women who speak English, who own a smartphone, who live in North America, right? It, it's not just all women. It's kind of really these kind of women, right? Um, that that market has to be big enough to spin off a lot of money, right? Um, and then the key is everybody starts with one user, and it's probably you, right? And then you sign up your brother and your mom, right? But, but everybody takes those initial steps. So what they're really looking at is the growth. And this is what we were talking about with Darius a couple minutes ago. Yeah, so if you, if you already have a million users, awesome, of course. Um, but what we're going to look at is um, how fast is that million growing, right? So like I said in the example of Darius, you know, if you had a million users this January and next January you still have a million users, okay, you've kind of topped out or you've lost enthusiasm or whatever, you know, something isn't working. And um, investors, especially early stage investors, are really looking at the growth as much as the, um, the asset you've already built. They want to see where that asset is going to be in three, five, ten years um, when, it, when it reaches full market penetration and, and, and revenue potential. So is that useful? Yeah, that's yeah, that's really helpful, though. So yeah, you you you're saying like the, the good percentage, you know, every day the number of users that are coming into like the platform. Yep. And marketing, I, well, that that makes so much sense. Yeah. I mean, I just read a lot about other like uh like other like applications like maybe Snapchat, Facebook, you know, like how they started, and uh, like like application like Snapchat, you know, um the investor he invested like in the early stages, he found out like his daughter was using the application. So that's kind of like... Right, I've um, heard that story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to, yeah. So I just wanted to, was like, okay, is there like a point where investors, instead of I searching for investors, investors are searching for me. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of like part, like entrepreneurs want to be at. For sure. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wish I had the easy answer for you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, and, you, and you're thinking about this the right way, but it is those growth percentages that make uh, things interesting. For everybody here, uh, an, an interesting way to think about this is that increasingly companies are not getting funded so much um, on the idea. They're getting right. funded on their growth strategy, right? Right. So you may have a crappy idea, but if you can spread it <laughs> like crazy, then people probably invest because you don't necessarily that's that's the frustrating thing as an entrepreneur you hear about companies raising money when they don't even know how they're going to monetize and here you're scrambling 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 to you know even make the first dollar or the first thousand dollars um but what they're doing is just amassing such a large audience that they'll figure it out later right so that growth is actually maybe even more important than the idea itself because uh, as we all we've all seen, you know, bad products can beat good products if they just get enough adoption, and that's really frustrating when you're the entrepreneur with a good product, but it's it's reality. So I see. Do you have like a a time frame of the growth uh, that you think like you think going to be like uh, two to like four months if you're like you're growing let's say fifty uh, percent like every week? You know, do you think I, I just want to get an estimate too, like with the time frame that you're thinking of? Yeah, um, I don't have a good answer for that. You know, there's a lot of really good writers about growth online. Right. I think if you Googled that, um, you'd get a bunch of better ideas than I could give you in 10 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the, but the key is you already – well, and let me point out, there's a book by Sean Ellis named called Growth Hacking. He invented the term growth hacking, and that's kind of like the Bible. The, the, the first time it was written down, that book is 
probably half a dozen years old now, so I don't know how up-to-date it is. But um, if you went to Sean Alice's uh, website, I'm sure he's still blogging about it because I know he consults on those things these days. Um, but the key is what a word you mentioned there is, you know, each month, right? The compounding is what matters, right? So even a small amount, you know, if it's 2% a month is not huge growth, but 2% a month every month or 2% a week, right? This starts to really get somewhere, right? And if you can bump up 2% to 6% and then you do that every week, you're, you're taking off, right? So it doesn't have to be, that's the interesting thing is that, you know, it can be really discouraging when you start out. You only have, you know, 10 or 50 and then you have 100. Like, am I ever going to get from 100 to 120 followers or likes or subscribers or whatever your metric is, right? Or customers, right? But the trick is to build in the virality of what you're doing so that people want to invite their friends. They tell their friends so that if you have, okay, it took you six months to get to 100, but then that compounding kicks in and you get to 150 in only three months, you know, and then you get to 300 in two months and, and you, you can see where I'm going, right? Pretty soon it's a, it's a cycle, right? And that's the list off that everybody wants to see. So don't be discouraged if it's only, if it's only some small percentage, uh, as long as it's positive and you keep reinforcing it, hopefully you, you know, you get there. <laughs> right. uh, thank you very much. All right. Uh, yeah. Thank you. We are open to launch this weekend uh, in two weeks. So okay. we're just trying to be ready to think of the future. Thank you very much. Excellent. Yeah. 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 Good yeah. to see you again. All right. So, hey, since I've got a bunch of you here, let me, can we take a group picture? You're such a good looking bunch. Let's see here. I'm going to just, this is a social media thing, right? Look at that. Let me see. I've got some tools here I've never used. Let's see. Oh, there you go. That's nice. Sorry, can you guys hang on one second? I just want to take a couple pictures because <laughs> I'm testing out this format. There we go. That's nice. This is, in case anybody's interested, this is a tool called Restream. And uh, it's, I've been doing this kind of thing on and off for years. And this is the best one I found. This looks pretty, looks like I know what I'm doing, doesn't it? Oh, that's nice. Look at that. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Well, thank you for your patience. All right. So um, let's go back to the chat room and we'll wrap this up. We've been almost an hour already. Great to see each of you. Thank you for being here. Like I said, email me if you'd like to come to the next um, Masterminds workshop. I'll send you a coupon code. And if you want to ask a question next time also, uh, RSVP like uh, my friends there did. Let's hit the chat room here again. Let's see. Um, let me put the chat back on there. What social media? Where are users? Okay, yeah, so Tech Barbie, that was a similar question to you, um, Emmanuel. Okay. PayPal, oh, Kim, that's interesting. Kim says PayPal had 7% daily growth once. Wow. <laughs> okay, so you see a daily, right? So this is that compounding thing. That's how you really know you've got something. Uh, how do you find app developers on an equity basis? Okay, so PM, that's a, that is a recurring question I hear a lot. Um, the uh, The... Ability to find app developers, app developers on an equity basis is pretty much gone. I have not heard anybody lately um, who's succeeded in that. Uh, it's the same kind of market pressure that people have had trying to raise money with just an idea. There's just too many people out there making money, so investors are waiting for companies with traction. And developers are in such demand that they don't need to work for equity. They can work for cash. And in a lot of cases, they can get equity and cash, right? So it's really quite hard. Um, there are firms uh, that might be newer to the market 
that you can talk to. Uh, I don't have any specific recommendations, although there are recommendations um, on the ocstartupcouncil.org website for developers. There are several firms there, but I wouldn't, uh, and they're good ones, but I don't know that they would work for equity anymore. I just haven't heard that happening very much. If any of you in the chat room know otherwise, it sounds like PM could use a referral. Uh, and Tech Barbie, Tech Barbie's agreeing with me. I heard they want to be paid now. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. Um, it's just that kind of world. There's just too many, um, too many competing ideas and um, too many opportunities for uh, developers to make real money. Um, they can always come and get a job with you later, right? <laughs> so unfortunately, that's how it, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, the internet or the startup world has kind of grown up. It's kind of like real business now. You, you used to kind of just have an idea and people might kind of get into, get involved either as investors or as developers um, because it was a new idea or a new uh, sector, a new way of working, and the exciting potential of the uh, wide open uh, digital economy. But the digital economy is pretty well established now, and uh, it's not that easy anymore. So, um, okay. So I hope that's helpful. Um, don't want to end on a downer note. Let's see, let's see. Um, oh, let me tell you about, there is a cool thing I saw this week um, on the startup um, angel list. This is a, a, there's a new funding, I didn't prepare this, uh, I should have prepared it. Anyway, AngelList is a platform where angels invest in early stage companies. So any of you who are raising money, you might go look at AngelList. Their URL is angel.co, angel.co. But they unveiled a new kind of um, investment vehicle this week. So you may have you've heard about raising equity or using convertible notes. You may have heard about safes and kisses, and there's different kinds of structures that entrepreneurs can use you know, the documents, I mean, the contracts that uh, underlie an investment. Um, and then there's crowdfunding, which is where you raise money from a whole bunch of people, um, but that gets very complicated and expensive. So Angel, uh, AngelList this week announced something called a roll-up safe. No, a roll-up, what they call it? Roll-up vehicle, I guess, roll-up vehicle. And this is a new kind of instrument that I'm very intrigued about, and you guys might look into this yourselves. You probably need a lawyer, but it's a new thing, and you should be aware of it because it means that a whole bunch of people can invest like a crowdfunding, but you as a CEO, as a company owner, only have one document and one entry on your capitalization table. So the capitalization table is the spreadsheet where you keep track of all your investors and who owns how much, and that has to be managed constantly because every time you hire people or bring in more money, it changes how much everybody owes, right? So this new doc, the problem with crowdfunding is that if you had 300 people invest, you'd have 300 lines on your cap table and you have to keep in touch with all those people and, and update their percentages and it's a big hassle. So this new roll-up vehicle from AngelList is a new kind of document that means you can have a whole bunch of people, but they only come under your cap table as one line. So this used to be a very expensive kind of a premium thing to do because you had to create a separate company to absorb all those investors, but they're doing that for startups now for like $9,000 or something like, so it's not free, right? But this is a service that can make your, um, make your life a lot easier as a CEO. Uh, and I thought it was really cool. And, um, We'll be posting about it on the uh, OC Startup Council uh, blog uh, fairly soon, if that's helpful, or you could probably Google it. So anyway, I think that's cool. I'm I'm not I'm into that. Uh, if you're not, <laughs> you can you can fast forward and hire an attorney. So okay, so uh, I think that's our show for today. Let me look. Uh, let me just see my notes. Is there anything else I'm supposed to tell you? Um, where's the rest of my script? <laughs> 
Um, so I do this uh, to try to help. Hopefully you found that helpful. I'm Scott Fox. If you liked it, please like, please subscribe. If you see this on social media, please share it because that gets the word out. As you can see, I'm trying to help people. Um, and uh, I have a little bit of background. I don't have all the answers, um, but I can at least help point you in the right direction. Uh, the, the idea here is to help more people uh, play the game and, and hopefully win. Um, and uh, the more at-bats we get, the more often we're going to have winners. And I'd like to invite you into the winner's circle with me. Um, and uh, Ekebob says in the chat room, thank you so much to all the other founders here. That's right. Thank you for being here. Please uh, share the love and pay it forward and all that sort of stuff. So thanks for being here. I'll be here again um, next month. So please watch your email. Oh, by the way, if you haven't already, uh, go to startupcouncil.org and join the email list, and then you'll get notifications because uh, I don't know quite how these show up on YouTube and LinkedIn, and I don't know where the notifications are, but I hope that's all helpful, and I'd be happy to connect with any of you on LinkedIn as well. Please, I get a lot of inbound, though, so please just put a little note like, who you are or why you're connecting, right? Because I, I get lots of just random ones. And if you tell me who you are, I'd be happy to connect uh, and help if I can. All right, there we go. That's uh, Masterminds for uh, Startup Office Hours for, what is it, April, <laughs> April 2021. Let's hope this pandemic wraps up soon. And uh, thank you all for watching and listening and hope to see you again soon. Good luck with your startups. Let's go make it happen. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.